You're about to enter the arena and join the battle to save America with your host, Sean Parnell. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Battleground Live. It's Monday. And we had a very, 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 very crazy weekend in in Fort Parnell, as you can possibly imagine. It was homecoming. And uh, part of the lead in of one of my shows last week, I talked about how, boy, do not blink because it's just amazing how fast your kids grow up. And and Katie, uh, our oldest, went to her first homecoming dance or a second homecoming dance, but her first one with an actual date, which, by the way, they really don't give you a manual on how to handle any of this stuff. So, I mean, like as a father, especially, like how do you handle your, you know, your oldest dating? But she's an amazing, strong young woman. I mean, we trust her completely. As Commander Melanie said in the in the live chat, she got home on time, didn't violate curfew. She looked beautiful in, in her dress. Um, the pictures came out great. And then there was the homecoming game and Natalie Schmatley was at the game and it was just a crazy, awesome weekend, but it's just, there's nothing more rewarding as, as a parent, um, than seeing your kids grow up into great, amazing people. And so congratulations, Katie, uh, on, on an awesome homecoming weekend. It was, it was kind of made me proud as a father. And I know for a fact that I never, ever, ever speak for commander Melanie, but I know it made her proud as well. So, um, but all, I hope you all had a great weekend too. Um, I was like watching the news cycle this weekend, and I frankly couldn't believe how much stuff was coming out. I mean, it's just absolutely crazy. Um, and we'll get into all that. But if you're just joining us and or you're joining us for the first time, make sure that you like this video. That little green thumb below the video, hit it smash it, do whatever you got to do to hit that little green thumb because the more likes we get, the more rumble notices. And the more rumble notices, the more likely I it is that I can get away from my basement, the corner of my basement, get away from the cat's litter box and build myself a new awesome sexy studio. And by the way, we're almost there. Um, we get tips in the live chat, uh, which again, you don't, you don't actually have to do. Um, but we're getting very, very close to be to, to rolling out a more sophisticated studio. Uh, and so <laughs> once we get an awesome studio, we're going to be able to make this show just better all the way around. And also going to have some really, really, really exciting news for you about how we're expanding the reach of the show in, in the very near future. And of course, we're, we're always grateful for all of our listeners and viewers who are listening through the Wendy Bell radio app. Um, you know, she is she's a powerhouse for those of you all that don't know. Uh, or maybe you don't keep track of this stuff. This is all sort of nudes to me too. But did you know that that Wendy Bell is the number one live streamer on Rumble in the entire country? The number one woman live streamer in the entire country. That woman is a force to be reckoned with. She is a powerhouse, and you know, I'm grateful for for her help and Brock, of course, Brock Star, who is who is a producer, who's who sign off to me just before we start the show is don't suck. Uh, reminds me of senior non-commissioned officers that I had in the military. What I like about Brock is he just tells it exactly how it is. And quite frankly, that's exactly what I need. So thank you to to Brock for for offering to, to help me build the show. And of course, Chad and Andrew, who are also on the team, have been on the team since the very beginning. And also Deepwell, our founding sponsor. Deepwell Services, uh, they they invested in this podcast at the very in, 
the very, very beginning. It's grown from really a weekly podcast to a live show. And that live show, for those of you all who are new, it airs Monday through Friday, 5 o'clock p.m. on Rumble, right here every single day. So um, without Deepwell and without their initial investment into this program, we would not be here. They're, a, they're an energy company, a drilling company, but they're growing like gangbusters all over the country. And they're hiring in more positions than just out in the oil field. So if you are looking for a job, I mean, it, you don't have to be drilling for oil uh, to get a job with them. They're hiring in lots of different areas. Go to their website, depotservices.com and check them out. They're a great, great company filled with American patriots. So check them out. But thank you to that company. You're just an amazing company filled with American patriots, as I said. But let's just get right into it. I want to touch base on something that if you if you paid attention, if you pay attention to the show, um, we had Rich Barris on, I think not last week, but the week before uh, Rich Barris is a.k.a. the people's pundit. I think that he's one of the best pollsters in the business. Uh, now, generally speaking, I, there are very few polls that that I that I like that I trust. Uh, for lots of different reasons, polls are used as, as basically a psychological operation in campaigns to either show fake strength or to what they call the suppression polls to keep people at home, to make people feel hopeless. Uh, so it's it's hard to tell if you are somebody who's just interested in politics and trying to read the tea leaves and get a sense of what polls mean. It's hard to tell if what you're reading is accurate or is it propaganda? Or is there an agenda behind it? Uh, Rich Barris is just, I just like him. I think he's got his, his, his ear to the ground on a lot of this stuff. And we talked, uh, a lot, uh, about Pennsylvania's new automatic, uh, voter registration law that, that our governor our Poindexter governor here in Pennsylvania named Josh Shapiro, um, unilaterally changed the law to allow for automatic voter registration. Now that, that, the prevailing wisdom and most influencers online up to including President Trump, they seem to not like this law. But what Rich and I were talking about is that this law, every state, for the most part, and we cited an example in New Jersey, that when New Jersey implemented automatic voter registration, the state started trending slowly to the right, slowly but surely. And and I think that surprised a lot of people. Um, of course, there's many things to be wary about about this new law, like the idea that illegal immigrants or 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 people who aren't citizens, should they be allowed to vote? Of course, they shouldn't. We've got it. We've got to keep keep our ear to the ground on that to make sure that it's that it's implemented legally. But I certainly don't want to speak for Rich. But what he would tell you is that this the 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 DMV or there's going to be a database of these new voters and it's a database that the Republican Party does not have to create. Okay? Those voters are going to be there. What the Democrats are relying on in swing states, especially in the swing state of Pennsylvania, is that Republicans rest on their laurels and don't look at and analyze that data. Democrats trust in their ability to do that and play the mail-in ballot game in the organizing and get out the vote efforts. They 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 trust their game better than 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 they see ours as a threat, if that makes sense. But my point is, is that we are, we are going to have a pot of newly registered Republican voters in this state that's right there for the taking. We just have to look at it, analyze it, and make sure those first time voters get out to vote. So this isn't this isn't an enti entirely a bad thing. And again, I think that surprised some people. But 
This is an update on that story in Pennsylvania news. And again, you might not be from Pennsylvania, but if you're from a deep blue state and and there ain't no prayer or snowball's chance in hell that a Republican ever win in in your state, well, then, first of all, you really should look at, at making sure that candidates who are running in swing states have the funds necessary to win. But Pennsylvania matters to everybody because if Republicans manage to win the state of Pennsylvania, they win the presidency, full stop. So that's how Pennsylvania is a linchpin. There are other states that are equally important. Of course, Arizona, Wisconsin, North Carolina. I would argue that Florida is no longer a swing state. Um, Florida is firmly in in the camp of Republicans now, but Georgia is another one. But Pennsylvania, it's always a tough go for, for Republicans in the state of Pennsylvania. However, however, Donald J. Trump was the first Republican since Ronald Reagan to win the state of Pennsylvania. Okay, so he's already demonstrated an ability to do it. So Pennsylvania is clearly winnable and it's trending in the right direction. Okay, slowly but surely, even before this new automatic voter registration law went into place, it was trending Republican. But I want to read you the numbers because it's what we're about on this show. Do it by the numbers, okay? And and it's in the this is from Scott Presser, by the way. And and by the way, Scott and I are like full full disclosure. He's a he's a friend of mine. I really like the work that he does. He's a great American patriot, Scott Pressler. Um, but he takes the information right from the Pennsylvania State.gov election site. So this this is all this is all accurate. But in the first full week since Pennsylvania implemented automatic voter registration, so do not be hopeless, is the point here. Democrats registered. 1,557 new voters uh, or automatic registered voters may they may not 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 necessarily new voters, but Republicans, 2,236 independents, 1,935. So Democrats maintained a net loss of 679, which is similar to the previous week of 680. So you see that by the numbers, this state is getting more red. So just because the Democrats roll out these new laws. It's not wholly a bad thing. Just Republicans have to evolve, adapt, survive, and overcome on the political battlefield. That's how we win elections. Don't poo-poo these new laws unless you know they're going to be abused for the Democrats. It'll be our job, members of Parnell's platoon, members of this show, other conservative political activists, to make sure that this law isn't weaponized against the people of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. For those of you all who are watching in other swing states, that responsibility falls at your feet as well. You know, our elected Republicans, they don't, they're not often doing what they're supposed to be doing on the election integrity front frankly, just because they're busy while they're in office, but sometimes they just, I'll just say this, a saying that I have is that Republicans focus on running great campaigns. Democrats focus on the structure of elections. Okay. In order for Republicans to win moving forward, we have to focus on both, which means we have to focus on running great campaigns, right? We've got to have a foot in that camp, but we also have to have our ear to the ground of how elections are conducted. And that includes watching the courts to see what the Democrats are up to there, because they are often the first mover on these election integrity lawsuits, puts Republicans on defense. And it's normally the Democrat super attorney, Mark Elias, who is also responsible for the Steele dossier and the Russia hoax and work very closely with Hillary Clinton and all that stuff, who he's got 500 plus million dollars of dark money in and, and he uses that money in ways to affect the outcome of elections 
election law, redistricting. The reason why Pennsylvania has the Carter map today, and again, this is important, but the Carter map is the redistricting map that that our state adopted, our Pennsylvania Supreme Court, which is a 5-2 Democrat supermajority, so no surprise that, that they adopted this map. But it's a, it's a map that benefits Democrats. Republicans were behind the power curve on it. We got outflanked in Pennsylvania. And so now we have a map that favors Democrats. And the reality is, is that we're stuck with that map for 10 years. I, I mean, Republic, so when Republicans are behind the curve, conservatives, Republicans, even conservative leaning independents in that state ultimately suffer. So my point is, Republicans have got to focus on running good campaigns, but you also have to focus on the game. Because if you don't understand the rules of the game or the rules of the engagement on the political battlefield, you will lose. But as activists, as citizens, as people who just love this country and want to stay involved, there's hope. And I just read you hope by the numbers in the state of Pennsylvania. It says automatic voter registration isn't wholly a bad thing. So hold the line. You're in the trenches in the fight to save this country. Pennsylvania is winnable. So if you're a conservative and you're losing hope about the presidential cycle, I mean, obviously, look, you know, I'm a Trump guy. I'm close with the Trump family. But like my point overall is that Republicans can win this state. The state of Pennsylvania is more favorable today, far more favorable today than what it was when President Trump won in 2016 to the tune of like 200 plus thousand more registered Republicans. So it, it just keep the faith, <laughs> keep the faith. We can do this. Um, okay. So speaking of elections and elections and election interference, it it is it is a circus in America right now. I mean, when I talked to you about this weekend, I mean, we had you know Donald Trump is back in court today. We had a Democrat, a radical Democrat in the U.S. House of Representatives, pull a fire alarm to delay a vote on a continuing uh, continuing resolution because Democrats weren't getting what they wanted. So he thought if he pulled the fire alarm, he could delay the vote. Which isn't wait, isn't that I've heard this story before? Isn't that a, obstructing an official proceeding? I, I mean, because I've been told. I've been told by D.C. judges that an appropriate sentence for obstructing an official proceeding should be at least solitary confinement. Definitely no bail, right? Prison sentence for maybe a decade, maybe how about 20 years, maybe 22 years tops for pulling a fire alarm, obstructing official proceeding. I don't know. I mean, so I mean, my, my real question is, is will <laughs> Congressman Jamal Brown, I think his name, will be held to the same standard that many of the January 6th prisoners are held to? That remains to be seen. But there's a huge fight going on in the House of Representatives now, speaking of which, uh, over a continuing resolution and whether uh, between Matt Gates and Speaker McCarthy, we will get into all of that. And especially with regards to Matt Gates and McCarthy, I got some insider baseball scoop on that stuff that I want you all to know. Um, again, when we're talking about rules of the battlefield and rules of the game, you have to know this stuff. So be equipped with the right information. Um, but let's just get right into Trump in New York. Um, folks, every day that goes by in this country, I just told you how Pennsylvania was more winnable based on, on the actual numbers itself, right? The Democrats know that, okay? The Democrats also see the polls. They see that Donald Trump is is up in ways that he was not up in 2016 or 2020. I mean, there was a, a poll that came out from ABC that was immediately positioned as an outlier by the mainstream media that had Donald Trump up 10. I think there was a, an average, I think it was in Rasmussen or maybe even Reuters. I can't quite remember. There's so many polls that come out every week. But the average of, the, of that poll had Donald Trump up in many of the swing states by six points. 
the the point is when you look at how elections in swing in swing states like Pennsylvania are more favorable by the numbers today than they were in 2020 2022 when Republicans ran but or in 2020 and then when Trump ran in 2020 and then in 2016 when Trump ran in Pennsylvania uh the numbers are more favorable for him today and then you add to the fact that he's more popular today than he's ever been the democrats have to resort to well things that have not been done before in American history. I mean, the idea that we are indicting a former president of the United States on BS political charges, beady-eyed little mouth breather Jack Smith, who is appointed by Merrick Garland, Merrick Garland, who is appointed by the Biden administration for the express sole purpose of going after President Trump. We know this is why he was appointed. Biden said that he that uh, there was a New York Times article on it. I mean, New York Times saying that Biden was frustrated that Merrick Garland was like sitting around on his laurels and not doing anything. Of course, I'm paraphrasing here, but there's a New York Times article out there on it. And Biden himself said that we've got to go after Trump. I mean, he's a risk to the Constitution, essentially. I'm paraphrasing that as well. But, you know, we there's video of this that I can dig up and show you. Uh, and we've done it before. But we've never been in a place like this before. In America, where we are on the verge of locking up or in in some cases removing from the ballot in certain swing states, or at least attempts to remove from the ballot in certain swing states or uh, the front runner of either party. It's never happened before. And as I was prepping for the show, I thought of like this this assignment that I had uh, when I was a freshman in college. Uh, It was like a it was like a, a class on American history. And of course, if you're in college, like. There's always going to be some radical lefty who's teaching, who's a professor in that class. And of course, my experience was really no different. Um, the man who was, was teaching my class, and again, I was a freshman at a small university in Western Pennsylvania, but the man who was teaching my class was a very nice guy, but he was a, a socialist, an open socialist. And I was probably, this was back when college wasn't as crazy radical as it as it is today. Um, but, you know, most people in that class were liberals and he was about as liberal as you can come. I mean, a, an avowed communist or socialist in many ways. Um, and we debated all the time. I mean, all the time, respectfully. But I I was not afraid to clash with him. And, it, you know, if I'm being honest, I'd like to believe that I I won those debates. And frankly, I mean, I think the other people in that class thought that I won those debates as well, because if the past is any indication on the success of communism and socialism, I mean, we can measure success by how, how high the bodies are stacked, right? Look at the tragedy of, of national socialism in, in, in Germany. Look at look at the 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 Russians under Joseph Stalin or Pol Pot in Cambodia or or uh, Mao Zedong in China. All of these were communist socialist movements where. Uh, like millions of people died. So again, I didn't think I was, you know, climbing an insurmountable hill debating this college professor. Uh, But the final in his class was something that disturbed me deeply. Um, And it was, he, he had the entire class write an essay on what would happen to America if there was a second civil war. What, what would you do? And I remember talking to my dad about that, thinking like there was just something about that assignment that really bothered me. 
especially as a young kid. And this is in a pre 9-11 world, by the way. I at this point, I was a I think I was an elementary education major or trying to think if I was going to be a high school teacher. I didn't know, but it just deeply disturbed me because at that point in time in in America's history, I didn't think that anything like that could ever be possible, that America could split, uh, that there could be a, a hostile elements of our own government that targeted American citizens. And what would citizens do should that happen? Uh, now, listen to me. It's not hyperbole to say that while we are not in the midst of a hot civil war, and I hope that we never end up there. Because having seen war up close and personal, it's absolute hell in ways that you cannot possibly fathom. But it's – you never want to see something like that happen here in America where it's deeply personal, where people – you know, we have an amazing country. So there's something about that that was just deeply offensive to me about that assignment. And I talked to my dad about it, and he basically said, you know, just do it. Ended up writing my article and turning it in and – you know, I basically the, the general thesis of my article was that, hey, you know, I'm just going to go to where the Constitution is upheld, where uh, where wherever that is in this country, where the Constitution still matters, where our rights, which are protected and enshrined, are a contract between the American people and our government insofar as it limits the power, the size, the scope of the government it actually endows the citizens of our great country, a great deal of authority over our government. The, the idea that our rights are protected and enshrined by God, not government, endowed upon us by our creator and no one else. They're inalienable. They're ours. No one can take them away. Yet, folks, that's exactly what we're seeing play out before our eyes in this country. I've said before, and I'll say it again, it feels like America is coming apart at the seams. It seems like we have a front row. It seems like we've got front row tickets to this slow-moving train wreck that is radical leftists in charge of not only the levers of power in our government for the most part, but also in key positions in our institutions, both state and federal, that are weaponizing against political opponents. And Trump was in New York City today going toe-to-toe, really, um, with this radical leftist judge. And by the way, it's exactly the right tactic. It just is. Um, I'll get to all that in a second, but but watch President Trump in New York City. And by the way, what he's doing, let me set this up for you. He's defending his businesses. He's defending his name. He's defending his legacy. What this judge unilaterally did was basically say, now, Trump, it's illegal for you to do business in New York. You're a fraudster. You committed fraud. Like, I'm unilaterally making that decision. Never mind the fact that he's a radical Democrat judge, clearly politically motivated, clearly politically motivated. I'm just going to say that again. Unilaterally unilaterally is, is trying to dissolve President Trump's business in New York. I mean, nothing like this has ever happened. This is something that President Trump and his family have worked towards for a hundred years. I will tell you that Democrat business people and Republican, I mean, Republicans, of course, are horrified by it, but I have a lot, again, from Western Pennsylvania, four generations in Western Pennsylvania. I've got many, many, many friends who are Democrats. They're quietly horrified about this. 
Because if it can happen to one of the most powerful, most well-known people in the entire world, what chance do you think you have when the government comes after you? And if you think this bullshit stops with President Trump, you would be wrong. It's not. They are coming for you next. Mark my words. 2024 is the last stand for this country. But watch President Trump, defiant as ever, prior to walking into that courtroom. Let's roll the tape. This is a continuation of the single greatest witch hunt of all time. We have a rogue judge who rules that properties are worth a tiny fraction, one one hundred a tiny fraction of what they actually are. We have a racist attorney general who's a horror show who ran on the basis that she was going to get Trump before she even knew anything about me. She used this to run for governor. She failed in her attempt to run for governor. She had virtually no polling. She came back and she said, well, now I'll go back to get Trump again. And this is what we have. It's a scam. It's a sham. Here's the thing. I mean, why do we have time to do this? Why, why is Letitia James, who is a radical Democrat attorney general uh, in, in New York City, and why is she so focused on Trump? She should be focused on her city, which is spiraling into chaos. She should be focused on the migrants in her city that don't that, that are completely overwhelming her city and taking away from the freedoms of actual American citizens who live there. New York City is chaos. My family and I used to go there every single year. I, it, it was, I mean, when you're there, there's something special about that city. We can't in good conscience take our children to that city anymore because it's just dangerous. It's not safe for anyone let alone Republicans, to, to walk around in that, in that city anymore. So why do they have time? I mean, these are rhetorical questions, of course. But clearly, they have time to go after President Trump, try to ruin his life, destroy his business, while their entire city burns, essentially. I mean, New York City is on, is on a it's deathbed at this point. Again, under Democrat leadership. But... Trump went on in this interview, and again, I'm glad that he's out there defending himself, and here's why. Most attorneys, in fact, every attorney that I've ever met will tell you, oh, don't say anything, like, let's, like, trust the system, and the system works, you know, our system isn't perfect, but it's the best in the world, but here's, here's the deal, like, all that, I, I get where they're coming from with that. Judges are people too. The more you're out there talking, the more you could say something that's weaponized against, that's weaponized against you in court, or the, you might actually make the judge mad and judges are people too. And if the judge is mad for you, that's not a good place to be going into court. I get it. And guess what? I've been there. I've been there. But we live at a point in time in our country where our institutions are corrupted and these judges, like in this case, specifically about President Trump is completely corrupted, radical, leftist, Marxist, doesn't give a damn about the Constitution, doesn't give a, a damn about the system working properly. He's just in it for his 15 minutes of fame. So I am glad President Trump is out there defending himself and trying to shape public sentiment. So roll this tape. Just check out President Trump doing what he does best, being defiant to the system. And I don't think the people of this country are going to stand for it. If I weren't leading in all the polls, or if I weren't running, I wouldn't have any of these cases. I wouldn't be seeing you this morning, but I'll be seeing a lot of you. 
because this is a horrible thing that's happening to our country and we've got to get it straightened away. So we'll go in and see our rogue judge and we'll listen to this man. And uh, I think most people get it. People are getting it. I can tell you the voters getting it because every time they give me a fake indictment, I go up in the polls and that's never happened before. But this is a disgrace. And you ought to go after this attorney general because she's turning off everybody from coming in. You know, I don't know if you should take a look at the outflow of business. Businesses are fleeing New York because of horrible, horrible attorney generals and judges like we have. They go to other places where they can be treated fairly and with respect. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you. Thank you. So there we have. I mean, he Trump is exactly right. Um, the only reason this is happening is because he's up in the polls. Had Trump decided to fade into obscurity and not run anymore, I do not believe this would be happening. He would be living in his billion-dollar-plus compound down in Mar-a-Lago, which, look, I have been there. The fact that this judge unilaterally ruled that it was worth $17 million, which is essentially what he bought it for, I think, back in the 70s. Don't quote me on that, but he bought it for that amount like in the 70s. That compound is is oceanfront on both sides, probably worth a billion dollars. A damn tennis court on Mar-a-Lago is worth $17 million. So properties around Mar-a-Lago are, are worth $50, 100000000 million. So the idea that this judge could come in and say that he, you know, that he valued his property, his property is valued at $18, $18 million or some crazy thing like that is absolutely ridiculous. But there's no way that Trump, no way in hell th- this stuff happens to him if he's not a threat to the actual institutions, To he's not a threat to the corruption within these institutions, which of course he is. He, see th- he sees things very clearly now. And I'll tell you this, I have spoken to President Trump, know many of his staffers, by the way. Some of these people are very good friends of mine that I've known for a long time, way longer than President Trump, before he actually even got in the fight. Um, these people, you know, Trump will tell you that there was, even though he was a, a global businessman that was unbelievably successful in what he did from a business standpoint. Also politically, by the way, I mean, he doesn't get enough credit. I mean, people talk about Trump like he's some idiot, like he ran a global business with tens of thousands of employees. And he also, in his first run, major run for political office, I know he's tried before, but in his first actual real run, he beat a Bush and a Clinton in the exact same election cycle. I mean, it's a pretty damn magical thing what he did. And so all of this is happening. I mean, it's really important to boil down this situation to to right here, right here. All of this is happening to President Trump. All of it. It's not just it's not he's running for president. Yes, but it's because he wants to represent you. It's because he wants to keep this country great. He wants America to survive for the next 100 years, 200 years, 300 years. You believe, by and large, the same things that he does. So his sin in all of this, from the corrupt government that's going after him, is simply the crime of advocating for you. It's sickening and gross. And, and if you want to think of sickening and gross, l- listen to some of the campaign promises of the New York City Attorney General. Listen to how she campaigned. 
It's no surprise that this stuff is happening right now. She said she would do it. It was a campaign promise. Roll the tape and check this out. I've always seen people who say, oh, I'm not going to bother to register to vote because my voice doesn't make a difference or I'm just one person. I say one, I say one name, Donald Trump. That should motivate you. Off your ass and vote. Will, you, will you sue him for us? Oh, we're going to definitely sue him. We're going to be a real pain in the ass. He's going to know my name personally. I love it. He probably does. No one is above the law, including this illegitimate president. And so, I look forward. I look forward to going into the office of Attorney General every day, suing him, defending your rights, and then going home. Oh, yeah, she seems totally fair. <laughs> and you know what? Also totally level-headed. You know, I I mean, clearly you see what's happening, right? She said she would do it on the campaign trail. She's making good on those promises today. There's absolutely no legal precedent for what she's doing. Her charges have no merit whatsoever. She's finding Democrat judges who just agree with her. It's sickening what's happening. There's something Something else I want to show you, and I'm sure you've seen the video circulating around, but this is very telling to me. Fox News was able to get a video inside the courtroom, a camera inside the courtroom today and, and get some video of what was actually happening. So important for you to see this. And I want you to pay attention as as the video, you can see it's sort of haphazardly going around the room. It, 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 it focuses in on Trump, the camera blurs, and then it focuses in better. And then it goes back to the crowd. And then it focuses on Letitia James. And you just, first of all, watches it. She's, first of all, she's out of focus at first, but it brings her into very clear focus. Look at her face, look at her expression, but look to the woman who's sitting to the left of her. Okay. I want you to look to the woman who's sitting to the left of her. And then the camera goes to the judge and his, his response to the camera it's just it's just sickening and ultimately a microcosm of just how gross this political persecution really is. Now, pay attention to this video. Uh, go ahead and roll the tape, Brock. To be or would they just be simply ushered out when we're gaveled to order? Well, these, uh, they, you're more likely to have cameras in state proceedings. And so it's up to the discretion of the uh, judge. Uh, and quite frankly, I'm not too sure that both parties would want this. Uh, I think that Trump views this, uh, the optics of this, as working to his advantage. Look, people looking at this live picture right now uh, will be either filled with rage or they will be thrilled. And that's the problem, is that, you know, you have James now being shown in the background. You've got Trump in the foreground. And it fulfills the narrative on both sides. Trump is likely right. I mean, he's being shown in a sort of tag team series of prosecutions and civil lawsuits uh, where one prosecutor tagged another. They're all insisting on these trials occurring before the election. There are many people that find that troubling. And so he's right in that. I think that it's not going. Troubling is an understatement. Did you see Letitia James? Did you see her staring down Trump? Okay. Clearly there is a personal vendetta here. And did you see the woman who's sitting right next to her? There was just like, like looking, looking up at her, like, uh, like what the hell is going on? And then the judge. So, this is very, very, very personal to me um, for a lot of reasons. The judge up there, uh, not not because of the way that, that the judge's animated conduct in, in my 
personal case. No, but this judge in this case and his smiling and ha 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 ha. Oh, let me take my glasses off. Let me smile. Ha, 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 ha. Like, are you kidding me, dude? Like you're up there right now. You are about to ruin the life of somebody with, with unilaterally. And by the way, fraud, they, this guy, oh yeah, Donald Trump committed fraud. Who the hell was the victim? There was no victim. Th- these banks weren't defrauded. Donald Trump paid them back with interest. There was no victim in any of this. This is a clear political hit job. And here you have this judge who's supposed to be measured on the stand, laughing and joking around as if there's another day at work. <laughs> like, oh, if I have to destroy Donald Trump's entire legacy, at least I get my 15 minutes of fame. Oh, <laughs> see, let me take off my glasses here. <laughs> see the camera. These people, these judges, whether it's Chutkin in D.C. or this mouth breather up in New York City, these are Democrat hacks who want their 15 minutes of fame. They want their book deal. They want to be CNN contributors or MSNBC contributors when their time is up on the bench. They want to be famous and they want their moment in the sun going after the former president of the United States, Donald Trump. And it makes me sick to my stomach because ultimately what they're doing is destroying this country. They're destroying people's faith in our institutions. And folks, if you think it is not happening, it is everywhere that I go. Everywhere that I go. I come into contact with Democrats and independents who are like, whoa, things are crazy right now. Yeah, I didn't like Trump. I didn't vote for him. Like, I probably, you know, I don't think I'd vote for him again. I don't know, but this seems crazy. I wish we could just turn the page. Independents are afraid. I'm telling you, I've been doing this in Western Pennsylvania for a very, very long time. Born and raised here. Half my family Democrats, half my family are Republicans. The Democrats in my family are more pro-Trump than many of the Republicans in my family. I... Never seen anything like this happen before in our country. It's sickening what they're doing to this president for the crime of wanting to represent you and your belief. What they're doing to Donald Trump, if they could wave a magic wand and do it to you, you could bet that they would. This is not going to stop it. And I say this almost every show, they're going to keep moving. They're going to keep marching forward with this insanity because authoritarian fascists like the modern new Democrat party, they don't stop using their power once it's been wielded. There's no putting the bullet back in this gun. They've crossed a paradigm, folks, and there's no going back. And again, Donald Trump, I I know him. I know his family. I know his sons. And he is not having it. And God bless him for taking a stand and going out there and talking to every media outlet, both in this country and around the world, because the system is corrupted and the people deserve transparency. Go ahead and uh, roll this tape. We're going to be here for months with a judge that already made up his mind. It's ridiculous. He's a Democrat judge. He's an operative. And it's ridiculous. Other than that, things went very well. What are you going to have for lunch? Will you come back after lunch, Mr. Trump? Trump, man, he's a a total beast. He's uh, this guy. I don't know anyone who could withstand the political heat like he has and just remain in the fight. Now, granted, you know, 
he's got a couple billion dollars in the bank <laughs> and that helps. But this, this man has taken a lot for us and it just breaks my heart to know that they're trying to destroy his life and ruin everything that he worked for because he simply wants to represent the American people. The guy got 75 plus million votes in 2020, the most of any Republican ever. Most popular Republican president ever got more votes than anyone. They're And they're trying to destroy this guy's life, not just his life, but the lives of his sons and his grandchildren and his name. And I mean, just put yourself in his shoes for one minute. Being falsely accused by a system that wants to destroy you, that wants to not just destroy your name, but also your legacy legacy and the attacks on you also destroy the lives of your children you have any idea how powerless that would feel i have to say i kind of do i've been there i know how it feels you know my last name isn't trump and i don't have a billion dollars in the bank so that's what i'm telling you i know how hopeless it can feel i know how terrible all this is but as i've told you on shows before and i'm going to tell you at this show as well we have no choice but to stay in the trenches and continue marching forward. That's just it. The system in this country ain't going to save itself. And so Garland was, um, Merrick Garland was on 60 Minutes this weekend. So the juxtaposition between what President Trump is going through, through one political persecution after the next, and Garland on 60 Minutes, the, the contrast could not be more clear. I mean, I watched this man on 60 Minutes and the, oh, I mean, I th this will be two weeks in a row on Mondays where I've showed you clips from 60 Minutes and 60 Minutes used to be once revered program. I mean, I don't know. I mean, maybe I was naive, but back in the day, I watched 60 Minutes 10, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, and I didn't think it was as polarizing and political as it is right now. But even more than that, it's straight up propaganda. It is so embarrassing. That they have become a, a Democrat psyop in almost every way. They they what they do is craft these stories and they tie in emotions and they try to trick you into not seeing the issues logically and clearly and use emotion on these things. It's very sinister propaganda. And Merrick Garland was knee deep in it this weekend, but this clip caught my eye. And again, it's particularly laughable given what Donald Trump is going through, his allies and all the January Sixers who have spent years in prison for the crime of obstructing an official proceeding. Go ahead and roll the tape. We do not have one rule for Republicans and another rule for Democrats. We don't have one rule for foes and another for friends. We don't have one rule for the powerful and another for the powerless, for the rich or for the poor based on ethnicity. We have only one rule. And that one rule is that we follow the facts and the law, and we reach the decisions required by the Constitution, and we protect civil liberties. Are you essentially saying, as Attorney General to the American people, trust me? Well, in the end, I, I suppose it does, in the end, come down to trust. But it's not just me. It's decades of the, of the norms of this department that are part of the DNA of the career prosecutors who are running the investigation um, and supervising the investigations that you're talking about. And therein lies the problem. Yes, it does require trust. Merrick Garland, Joe Biden, 
and all these other mouth breathers in government, especially some of the unelected ones and political appointees, we, the people, do not trust you. You have so corrupted our institutions that half the damn country doesn't trust you anymore. And it's not just the Department of Justice. It's also places like the CDC. I, I mean, the FBI. I mean, probably not a whole lot of people ever trusted the IRS, but also the IRS, the Dems have weaponized that as well. I mean, nothing is sacred. The military is now politically polarized and has been politicized because of commie, mouth-breathing Dems like you, Merrick Garland. So congratulations for, for overseeing the demise of once venerated and trusted institutions such as the DOJ. You, you really have a lot to be proud of. He went on in the same interview and talked about January 6th and how it led to one of the largest DOJ investigations ever. Uh, and that basically he's going all out on taking down January 6th grandmas so that they don't ever, ever peacefully protest in and around the Capitol ever, ever again. Go ahead and roll the tape. Merrick Garland has spent a life in the law. M-E-R-R-I-C-K-G-A-R-L-A-N-D. He's the Associate Deputy Attorney General. At Justice, he oversaw the Oklahoma City bombing case, an act of political terrorism. Later, after nearly two decades as a federal appeals court judge, he was nominated to the U.S. Supreme Court by President Obama. But Republicans stalled the nomination for 10 months until Donald Trump was sworn in. President-elect Biden picked Garland for attorney general on the same day the Capitol was attacked. That became one of the largest investigations in the department's history. We've uh, arrested and brought charges against more than 1,100 people. Um, There are uh, more to come. Um, The videos that uh, every single person uh, happened to have on their phones Uh, that security cameras had, that bystanders had, that the media had at the time, uh, disclosed faces, some of which we have not yet been able to connect uh, to people. You're looking for new suspects, new defendants still. Yeah, that's not that they're new suspects, but they are people that we haven't found yet. Why do these prosecutions mean so much to you? Because this is a fundamental aspect of our democracy. If we can't ensure that this kind of behavior doesn't recur, it will occur. Prosecutions we bring are deterrence against that from happening. Oh, thank you. Thank you very, very much for protecting our democracy against grandmothers who have the gall to protest the outcome of the 2020 election. And by the way, Scott Pelley, no one attacked the Capitol. No one had weapons. In fact, the only people who died were protesters. I mean, so will we be charging the police officer who shot an unarmed woman named Ashley Babbitt, who was literally a threat to no one. Well, will those people be charged? What about Black Lives Matter and Antifa on May 29th in 2020? I believe uh, they laid siege to the White House and battered and bloodied a bunch of Secret Service agents, and they had to rush Donald Trump to the bunker. I mean, they People got hurt, caused millions, if not billions of dollars worth of damage, not just in Washington, D.C., but all across the country. I mean, how about that? Because I'm pretty sure the Department of Justice, a very radical Department of Justice, uh, dismissed all the charges then. I mean, when Trump was president. But now that you're the attorney general, since holding, you know, there's no two tiered system of justice, according to you. 
Have you reopened any of the investigations into those people? How about the pipe bomber that laid a, a pipe bomb outside of the DNC and the RNC on that day? Have you happened to find anything about that person yet? Because I don't think that you have. And in fact, what about all these you know, school board candidates and pro-life people? I think you just threw two pro-life activists in jail for damn near a decade who were something like 65 or 70-year-old women for simply standing outside of an abortion clinic and protesting. It seems to me that there are two tiers of justice here. But your ultimate test will come when you make the decision as to whether or not to throw Jamal Brown in prison for pulling the the fire alarm. And he did this to delay the vote on the continuing resolution amidst the the omnibus spending bill debate. Now, he said that, you know, he was just trying to get outside the door and then he thought the fire pulling the fire alarm would allow him outside. Never mind the fact that this dude was a high school teacher and clearly conducted fire drills as a high school or a high school principal. Uh, Never mind the fact that most of his students, if they pulled a fire alarm, would immediately be suspended or perhaps even expelled uh, at his own school. Um, This is just from his own school that he used to teach at from their website. Um, But yeah, this guy, uh, he ain't going to be, I'm just like, you're going to, you're going to hear it here first, folks. I'm sure you've heard it other places, I guess, but this dude ain't going to be charged with anything, even though what he did was a felony, even though it was in the heart of our, of a heart of our democracy, even though it was, it's clearly obstructing an official proceeding, which is what I think over a thousand January 6th defendants have been charged with, many of whom got actual jail sentences, some of which were longer than a decade. So it'd be really interesting to see if Jamal Brown faces the same charges as January 6ers. Now listen to Jamal Brown or Jamal, I say Jamal Brown, not Jamal Brown. Uh Jamal Bowman. Jamal Bowman said, um, Listen to what he said when he was asked about pulling the fire alarm, because there's video of it out there somewhere. But the Capitol Police, the Capitol Police haven't released any of that video anywhere yet. <laughs> Surprise. Um, but there's actually a picture of him pulling the actual fire alarm just prior to a vote taking place because he was he was unhappy with the process, wanted to wanted to delay the vote. Uh, and he decided by, you know, pulling a fire alarm, causing a, an incident in the Capitol that he would be able to do that. But watch what this mouth breather has to say about it. Go ahead, go ahead and roll the tape. Uh, do you still stand by your statement that uh, the fire alarm was an accident? You know, I don't know why this has gotten so much attention. I was literally just in a rush to go vote, man. That's all it was. <laughs> Are you afraid of any repercussions either from leadership or from legally from Capitol Police? I, I mean, listen, I take responsibility for what I did, you know, but like I said, I was in a rush to go vote and, uh, you know, investigation will, will, will sort everything else out. Uh, have you talked to Jeffries about it? Oh, yeah, of course. That's day one. Yes. How was that conversation? Well, I got to keep that between me and the leader, so I'm not going to share that publicly. Yeah, uh-huh. We've been in touch with each other. I mean, it's crazy to me that he, first of all, a couple things. The only thing that's that's more pathetic than him pulling the actual fire alarm is how the media, by and large, most of the media tried to you know, orchestrate a massive cover-up operation for this guy. Like the idea that he didn't know what a fire alarm was and he did it so that he could exit the Capitol is, is just absolutely absurd on its face. There are tunnels that go from the cannon 
legislature house office building that are underground that take you directly to the Capitol. Literally anybody that spent any time on Capitol Hill knows this stuff. They know the route. Members of Congress walk it every single day. This is complete BS. He did it because he's I'm literally shaking because he's an insurrectionist, obstructed an official proceeding. Um, but check this out. This is just crazy. It gives you insight into how the machine, the Democrat machine works um, with the media. Um, so this, according to Nicholas Wu, he said that Jamal Bowman is circulating a list of talking points to fellow Democrats in a bid to stop the burgeoning GOP push to punish him after he set off a House uh, fire alarm during Sunday's chaotic spending votes. Um, and so if you can go on to read some of the things that he says, uh, but this, according to Max Cohen, one proposed rebuttal, and I'm looking at this, it breaks down. There's either actual talking points that are sent to other Democratic members of the House, but these talking points are also sent to their allies in the media. It breaks down what happened from, of course, Bowman's standpoint. It breaks down what the congressman actually said and gives quotes out there. But then it gives suggested talking points. Now, just read the first one. This again, this the Democrats are so good at seeding these talking points out to other members of of their party and the media. And then they just rinse, repeat, 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 repeat over and over and over again. But check out the first like suggested talking point. It says, It is an extreme reach on the part of MAGA Republicans to assert that Representative Bowman intended to harm or destruct anyone or anything. The exact opposite is true. He was trying to do his job. I mean, are you kidding me? Do you remember my golden rule that anything the Democrats accuse you of, they themselves are guilty of? In this case, he's saying it's you all, idiot people, all of you who demand. That he be held accountable for this? Well, you're just demanding that he be held accountable for doing his job. You, you, you terrible, evil people. But one of the proposed rebuttals in this statement, again, sent to other Democratic members of his own party and members of the media, are one proposed rebuttal. Republicans need to instead focus their energy on the Nazi members of their party before anything else. <laughs> I cannot make this stuff up that this dude is out there calling or this guy or his staff is out there calling Republicans Nazis. Not two hours ago, Bowman came out and issued a statement on the, on these talking points that were, that, that actually got out and leaked to members, you know, more friendlier members of the media. He said, I just became aware that in our messaging guidance, there was an inappropriate use of the term Nazi without my consent. I condemn the use of the term. I mean, are you kidding me? So you're not responsible now for the actions of your staff, which take orders from you. And you're not responsible, even though we have you on video pulling a fire alarm to disrupt the legislative process and therefore obstruct an official proceeding. You should go because, again, I've been told by D.C. judges you should be sent to jail. You should be put in solitary confinement, probably have, you know, go away in a federal penitentiary for 10 plus years, lock you up, throw away the key. Uh, no, that's what happened to January 6th. Or shouldn't that happen to you? I think so. Um, but that probably won't happen because that's just the sad state of affairs that we live in, in this country right now. And, and I want to talk about one more thing um, before we sign off. And I just got to get this stuff out there to you guys, because this stuff is just critically important that, that you have the insider scoop on the debate on this continuing resolution drama, the fight between Matt Gates and, and Kevin McCarthy. Here's what I will say. Their job is to represent the people, both McCarthy and Gates, represent their constituents in their district. Okay. 
That's it. Their best interests. And I've spoken to people who are very, very familiar in people with insider scoops on both McCarthy's side and Gates's side. McCarthy's people will tell you that the only reason that Gates is doing this is that because it's personal and that Matt Gates hold Kevin McCarthy personally responsible for the ethics investigation into him. Okay. Matt Gates's people would tell you is that Kevin McCarthy broke his promises. The reasons why we voted for him as speaker, he hasn't, he hasn't, he hasn't upheld the promises that he made to us. And he also wanted to vote on several clean continuing resolutions bills, vote, vote on things independently. You know, that way we're not negotiating on a fiscal cliff because uh, what is typically the case, both Republicans and Democrats do this is they'll cram, you know, what they say in the military. And if you got kids around, um, it's kind of a crude statement. So forgive me, but I'm an infantry guy and a knuckle dragger, but just so just earmuffs if you got little kids around. Uh, fair warning. It's like th- what they do with these omnibus spending bills is cram like 10, 10 pounds of shit into a five pound bucket. And this is what my non-commissioned officers used to say in the military all the time. And clearly it stuck with me, but, but it's true. Um, and what they'll typically do is say, well, we'll lump Ukraine spending, Ukraine's military spending in with border funding and see if you'll vote for this bill when both of those two things are tied together. I don't like that. And I, frankly, there's not a single Republican that I've spoken to in the U.S. House of Representatives that is opposed to clean spending bills. But I think part of the job when there are 435 members of the U.S. House of Representatives, and I think Republicans have 222 members, you need 218 votes to get anything done. The point is we have a very razor thin majority in the House. And so I think part of the job is, and that's putting aside you know, the the debate, uh, McCarthy's standpoints and, and Gates's standpoints and their perspective on these issues, their job, both of them, is to represent the people. Like, like as Bongino said, I think he said today, or I think he said today that, that members of the politicians come and go, presidents come and go, members of Congress come and go. Where, where are the people who are in charge? And we send them to office to do certain things on behalf of us. And I take issue when I think the American people lose. And I'll tell you this, that when our party fights, when we fight and we fight publicly, the American people lose. The reason for this is, as a house divided amongst itself, it, 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 it will fall. It cannot stand. Republic, Republicans fight amongst themselves publicly. And who suffers? The American people, conservatives, people who elect these representatives. The Democrats never break ranks ever. They circle the wagons. They fight to the bitter end, even if they're in the minority. Okay. And take what Matt Gates said in his perspective. Again, I support what Matt Gates. I like the idea, of course, like the idea of cutting off Ukraine funding. I think that's just a, a money laundering operation for the corrupt. I love the idea of can, you know, voting on Ukraine funding and vo- voting on border funding all individually, get people on the record. It, it helps better inform the American people. But here's the deal. If you don't have the votes to get that done, you can't do it. It's just impossible, right? Look at the numbers. You don't have the votes to do it. The bill that was killed, the bill that Matt Gates's team killed in the House, the first budget bill, and you all need to know this because no one is talking about it. That bill was one of the most conservative budget bills that would pass the U.S. House of Representatives in a very, very, very long time. Do you know who wrote that bill or helped negotiate that bill, helped get that bill passed, helped put that bill together? It's a gentleman named uh, Scott Perry, Representative Scott Perry from Pennsylvania. 
Scott Perry is the chair of the Freedom Caucus. The Freedom Caucus is arguably the most conservative wing of the Republican Party in the U.S. House of Re- Representatives. Their bill, which dis- which cut discretionary spending by 8%, would, would fund securing the border, um, got rid of all this Democrat pork in the bill for Democrat special interests, got rid of all this COVID emergency spending that was taking our government over a fiscal cliff. That bill was killed. And I'm not, I'm not look, this debate is part of the political process. So I'm not saying I'm not blaming one person to the other. I've said I've sat here and I've told you that I understand both perspectives here. But again, what we got was a 45 day CR filled with Democrat bullshit. We got what we had for the past year. We got 45 more days of it. And so, again, I'm going to ask you all and put aside all the talkers from McCarthy and Gates and look at how our political opponents are celebrating. Look at what they're saying about this. And then ask yourself, if people like AOC are celebrating, do the American people, conservative constitutionalists, do we win? Just let me read you some of this stuff. AOC said, here's what went down. We just won a clean 45-day government extension, stripped the GOP's earlier 30% cuts to Social Security Administration, staved off last-minute anti-immigrant hijinks, and averted a shutdown. People will get paychecks, and Marjorie Taylor Greene threw a tantrum on the way out. Win-win. Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, who actually inexplicably is still member of a whites only club as a sitting U.S. senator, but the Democrats are the party of racism. So that should not surprise anybody. But White House said uh, at the last minute, Speaker McCarthy abandoned his extreme right and worked with Democrats who overwhelmingly helped pass a bipartisan CR in which we maintain full funding, adding $10 billion in disaster. One and done. One W-O-N and done. We now need to fix Ukraine support and fast. So obviously, they see that McCarthy's wounded and Democrats are trying to throw him over overboard. Okay, so keep, here, I'm going to go on. There's a vote. There's a, a video of Elon Omar. Elon Omar is a radical Democrat who loathes the Constitution and loathes our country. Look at what she had to say about all this. Go ahead and roll the tape. Well, personally, I can't wait to take the vote uh, to um, to vacate. You know, I, I think it's not a surprise to anyone that I, you know, McCarthy and I have our own uh, issues, but it is essentially an issue of governance. We know that McCarthy has not been able to contain his conference. We know that he has not been able to keep the promises that he's made to leader Jeffries, to the president, to um, majority leader Schumer when it comes to uh, the, the spending budgets that we had to pass in the last couple of uh, months to fund our government. We know this is a man who's interested only in his speakership and not really governing on behalf of the country. Only when it became too politically poisoned did he decide to do a clean CR in order to avoid a shutdown on the 11th hour with only giving us maybe five minute notice. That's what we were scrumbling yesterday to try to figure out what was actually in the CR. Was it as clean as he said? Is it something that we can pass? And so when you have a speaker like that, that can't be trusted, whose word you can't 
understand or um you know uh trust uh it it becomes easy it doesn't have to be personal i know mccarthy keeps saying for matt it's personal he'll probably say that for some of the democrats who have been out there saying he should no longer be speaker that it's personal but it really is a question of of governance so you're yes on a motion to vacate just to be clear yes ma'am okay okay so if elon omar is out there celebrating this It's not good for the American people. It's not good for Republicans. It's sure as hell not good for constitutionalists like myself. And of course, Pelosi got in on the action as well. Listen to what Nancy Pelosi had to say. I want to focus this interview on your fellow San Francisco Democrat, uh, Senator Feinstein. But I do have to ask you, House Democrats are going to seek your advice regarding this news made moments ago on the show about this pending motion to vacate Kevin McCarthy's speakership. How will you vote? And what advice would you give your fellow Democrats on whether they can trust Kevin McCarthy if he makes Democrats an offer so he can stay in power? My advice to my fellow Democrats is simple. Follow the leader. Hakeem Jeffries has done a great job. Yesterday we had a victory in the continuing resolution. It was a victory for Democrats, a defeat for the MAGAs. And I would say this one thing, listening to your conversation, if that's a conversation you're back and forth there. It's such a fraud when they start, the basis of this is about spending. These are people who gave a tax cut to the richest people in America to the cost of $2 trillion to our national debt when what's his name was president of the United States. $2 trillion to the national debt. And that was to give 83% of the benefits to the top 1%. They're on the prowl for Medicare, Medicaid. They, they, in their bill, they would cut a huge amount, almost a third of the administration of Social Security. Well, okay. So Pelosi said, follow the leader. So here's what uh, Hakeem Jeffries, who is the House, U.S. House of Representatives minority, or well, he's the minority leader right now. Um, check out what Hakeem Jeffries had to say. I'll just read it to you. He said, MAGA Republicans have surrendered. All extreme right-wing policies have been removed from the House spending bill. The American people have won. And then he gave a rousing speech on the House of Representatives floor about how they won. Here's what I'm saying. Republicans in the House of Representatives, if you are in the huddle and you're coming up with a plan on the football field, Members of your own team should not walk out of the huddle and tell the defense what you're doing. Republicans, please get yours together, please. When you fight like this externally, the people of this country suffer, our movement suffers, and while we should be laser-focused on this impeachment inquiry, which ultimately should build to an impeachment of Joe Biden, and not just Joe Biden, Mayorkas and Garland and all these commie mouth breathers in our government. We are going to be distracted by some BS motion to vacate the Republican chair. Yes, I get it. You know, we have many people in the Republican House of Representatives who are not conservative enough for me and you. I get it. But the 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 political enemies that we face are not internal. If my unit in Afghanistan we had a squad of people when the enemy was trying to kill us, turn their guns on us and started attacking us while we were trying to fend off an enemy, it would not go well for us. We would lose. Likewise, if you leak the playbook of a, of a football team out there to, to the defense of an opposing team, you're going to lose. 
I mean, look at this issue, the, the budget issue through the lens of abortion. If you say, okay, look, we don't have the votes to, and I, you know how I, where I am on abortion. I'm a pro-life guy. Understand it's a nuanced and complicated issue for everybody. I, I'm not even here to talk about that, but just look at it through the prism of this because this is a heated uh, issue to get people re- really, really, really passionate about. You say, okay, well, we, we don't have the votes to ban abortion outright. Okay, I'm not saying that I want to do that. I'm just saying like we don't have the votes to ban abortion outright. Okay, again, I'm pro-life. But we do have the votes to, say, do a, a six-week ban or a 15-week ban. Would that be okay? Can we, can we as a, a Republican conference come together on that and then have somebody storm out and say no? And then the Democrats bond together and say, hey, we're going to vote in favor of abortion up until birth, and then we lose? Now, how many babies have to die because Republicans are out there fighting? Republicans weren't uniting on behalf of us. Where are the bosses? This isn't about grandstanding on TV. This isn't about fundraising. This isn't about being a celebrity. This is about representing the people. You know, McCarthy and, by the way, I, I, I like McCarthy and Gates. I, I do. They're both, I, I have no issues with them. I've got tons of friends down there. It's, it's, I'm, not just, I'm not going after one or the other. I'm going after the, our team. Get your together. Because our country is suffering right now. It like, don't cut off your nose to spite your face. We got a country to save. And so for those of y'all who've been with me, it's been over an hour. And thank you all for sticking with me this long. And if you stuck with me this long, make sure that you like this video. It's the little green thumb under the video. Like it. <laughs> that helps us a lot. Subscribe to Battleground, our channel. You subscribe to this channel. It is and will always be free. It airs live Monday through Friday at five o'clock. Tell your family, tell your friends, tell people that you see grocery shopping. We want them in the trenches with us. We want them as part of this movement. You're looking at this t-shirt right now, wondering where can I get one? You can get it at officialseanparnell.com. It's the Battleground Apparel Company. It's a clothing company for American patriots who love this country. And someone in the chat, I think Ultra MAGA Hardcore, who's one of our most steadfast supporters. So shout out to you. But he said he wears his Do Not Comply shirt everywhere and he gets comments on where where he got it from. Hey, you're all ambassadors of this program. It's just as much your show as it is, as it is, as it is mine. The show is and will always be about saving this country. So thank you for being in the platoon. It's an honor and a privilege to watch this unit grow soon. We're going to be too big for a platoon. We're going to be a company and then a battalion, then a brigade, then a division. We're going to be marching forward to save America. So uh, as always, thank you all for watching. Uh, God bless you all. And God bless this amazing country that we call home. I will see you tomorrow night at five. God bless you.